child beautiful soul this is Claire and this is the art of life podcast and this is a new series that I'm beginning off the back of the sovereignty series I would like here to begin a series around what the fuck is art for anyway what is art for and why do artists make art and why is it called an artist and what's been done to art how has it been contrived and completely distorted beyond recognition from the truth of what art really is and why is it that artists are the first ones not to get paid and the last ones to get paid um if they ever get paid at all why is it that everybody takes from artists freely but doesn't return? That is a really important question that I want to go very deeply into. Like the Sovereignty series, this is a a really fundamental, deep diving, shaking things at the roots, kind of an inquiry. And I would love to both be supported by yourself and to hear your response, to have a, a living conversation with you around these subjects. I I speak so openly and frankly about these subjects because I know that they are central to what is changing in the world, what needs to change, and and what is the solution to everything that is going on in the world. Um, The the deepest truth that I know in my lifetime is that we are co-creators, not just co-creators in the sense of creating everything that is around us, but we are divine co-creators, meaning that when we get aligned with ourselves, with nature, with our nature, with our core, with all that has been numbed and distorted within ourselves by very intentional forces that methodically have taken over our lives from a young, young age, even possibly before we were in the womb, and certainly very aggressively afterwards. The forces that have twisted our divine co-creativity into something completely different that is effectively now replaced by um, artists being completely invisible and being um, the ones that are visible being a very contrived version which has been kind of been parading a bit, a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes has kind of been parading for about, about the last 150 years or so um, since the arts and crafts movement in the in the English and Southern British realms, there have been methodical movements towards the the kind of caricaturing of an artist, both th- through what the art institutions and hierarchy, and as in who pays for art, who buys art with big money, the the caricature that has been built over the over the last century and a half is not that different than what it started with, like who they first started putting on pedestals, of course, after they're dead. It's a death cult. Everybody is celebrated after they're dead, not when they're living. Their work is not celebrated in life. And most creative people, profoundly creative people, the ones that we've never heard of have been completely suppressed by the system or completely hidden completely blinkered out of the mainstream, completely blinkered out of the the collective conscious. 
and those that have created a lot and lived well, the ones that have got to visibility after their death even have have been very carefully selected for their very specific characteristics of being mostly white, male, Anglo-Saxon type folk and absolutely have they've been chosen because they've had some kind of psychosis or particular um character flaw in them that the the collective conscious has been slowly but methodically trained into believing that that is what that is how art is made it's made through psychosis it's made through mad dangerousness and so on the 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 agenda and the hierarchy and the system know that they can't suppress art completely so they know that they have to manipulate it and turn it into something that is commodifiable that people will pay money to see or hear or participate in or digest or consume and the the caricature absolutely has to reign like the 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 spectre the ghost of what art is the ghost of what entertainment and creativity is has to be presented in a very particular way in order for the mythology to ring true to ring true that only special people go on a stage and then to trick you into thinking that you too can be special but you have to go through certain realms of paying into an institution paying into an art school, paying into a train, a certain kind of training, having some other artist teach you, having some other musician or maestro teach you. And the whole thing just becomes a tighter and tighter spiral in which it's not even clear which comes first, the madness or the act of being an artist or the the lifestyle of being an artist. Um, but either way, the whole thing is very jiggly juggly and twisty and turny and very very unhealthy and very much not what creativity is so I'm going to go into this series into all aspects of this enormous realm of what really is human creativity why is it so elusive to us and why is the the art world the entertainment world the industries the creative industries creative um, what are they called, like departments of government and councils, why Why does it always present? Why do all these um, institutions present art as something that's so very inaccessible or distant from us or unaffordable and certainly nothing that we could do, nothing that we could even understand, never mind something we could actually do ourselves, when the actual truth is... Like, what have they got invested in that? You know, I'm giving you a big clue here that is keeping us away from our absolute divine capacity to create literally everything that is around us, create it, create our reality. Um, they've certainly got everything invested in it because none of that could exist without the machinery of oppression of the human visionary spirit, the human spiritual vision, the human co-creative energetic field, the toroidal field, the energetic charging up and the spiralling upwards 
and we are all firmly and very, very efficiently locked into downward spiraling dynamics in in every aspect of our lives that not just prevent us from being creative, but prevent us from collectively coming into this sacred geometry, humming, thrumming, thriving mass that, like a beautiful beehive, would be producing the the glorious elixir of whatever we choose to create. It could be honey, um, it could be art, it could be music, it could be um, buildings that vibrate with nature and that live completely in tune with nature. So the, the complexity and the normalization of how we've been pulled into not being creative is is so complete in in many ways that it's actually like many of the subjects I talk about and I often get into a sticky point in a podcast when I'm talking it's it's really hard to explain fully how it has actually been physically stolen from us and it is then being crumbs of it are sold back to us the records we buy the fucking digital downloads we buy instead of picking up a guitar ourselves the baskets we buy instead of making a basket ourselves the homeopathic remedies we buy instead of making our own remedies by talking to the plants in our garden the clothes that we buy that are made in the philippines or in china that are made with horrendously toxic toxic materials not just for us to wear but for from the people who are making them the people who are growing the crops that the or the creating the plastics in the factories that the clothing are made from horrendously horrendously toxic environments for those living human beings who are killing themselves with chemicals for us to have a pretty dress on that instead of us weaving dying naturally instead of us crafting and stitching and learning how to, the form of our own body so we don't buy stupid shit from a shop or a catalogue or online somewhere that doesn't even fit us right you know the, the ability to form our second skin and create our second skin all of these things and that's just a, a tiny you know a couple of little aspects of our life all everything that we create in life Everything that we buy into, rather, is something that we can create. Everything that we create is something that is a real, tangible wealth that belongs to us, has a, we have an ownership of that doesn't need to ex- be expressed through a transaction, doesn't need a certificate or a, a, a banknote or a, a credit card transaction in order to access. It's something that comes directly from us working with the materials that we have around us. And one of the beautiful aspects of living at this particular time in the late latter stages of the commercialization of all things and the the mass consumerism phase of humanity's evolution is that there is so much waste, but it's not waste that needs to be thrown away. Everything that is waste, in inverted commas, weeds, scraps in inverted commas anything that is being thrown away compost um old newspapers cardboard everything is profoundly profoundly useful and the more we dig into what's getting thrown away the more we just observe what's getting thrown away around us what's getting thrown away in our own homes what's getting thrown away by local businesses the more we realize that 
not only the, is the natural world full of materials and useful, sustainable resources, but all around us in this particular time period, there are infinite possibilities of things that we can make. And between the natural world and what's being so-called wasted, we can absolutely draw into our lives to replace all these things that we're buying and consuming and that are breaking and that are made in China and don't work and blow out our electrics, etc., etc. Everything that is around us can be used to solve any problems or any lack that we feel that we have as we move into this time where the forces that be are, are specifically manipulating for scarcity, trying to set up the multifarious layers, like infinite layers of complexity that are telling us that we need to be afraid of scarcity. So again, coming back to like, what the fuck is art for? Art is about the abundance, the expansion, the vision, the solution, the ability to use all the resources that we have, all of the skills that we have, and what becomes more than the sum of the parts. That's what art is. It's the spiraling upwards. It's the expanding and it's the the connected mind, body and spirit, the evolved mind, body and spirit, the one who's out on the edge of things, the, the folks who are out at the edge of the world, knitting the world into being, um, out at the edge of the fabric of the world, pulling apart the fibers of the world and putting them back together more beautifully, more efficiently, more effectively, more usefully. And that is why art is so important in the world. There has never been a time in this world where art has been more important. This is the absolute pinnacle of importance, of creative finish, creative visioning, of creative spiritual visioning, of solutions-focused, integrated, intermediate technologies-related thinking. And there's, there's never been a more important time for the real artists of the world to step up and be visible, if they can be, in this fucking shit show of a media circus shite nonsense. Where do I even begin to talk about how the, the very structures that should have been liberating art and making art available to all and freeing up truth and beauty and colour and vitality into everyone's lives, social media, the internet, communications technologies, they are absolutely doing the opposite. And I don't, don't want to go too much into this in the first podcast here in this series. I want to more focus on, on the overall view, but just the, the way what could have been a stream of truth, vitality, meaning, biodiversity, colour, dynamism, unusual ideas, etc., etc., has been certainly in the mainstream. I'm not going to in any way diss the alternative and decentralised social medias like The Hive, which are absolutely going in the right direction. But the mainstream social medias have been turned into basically just a headache, like just a really bad headache for everybody that there's so little that can be gleaned out of there, like any sense that can be gleaned from the mainstream. 
it it really is it's like I don't know it's like setting foot on a really slippery muddy slope and skating down into a mine into a an abandoned mine and the chances of you coming across a diamond in front of you coming across some real genuine treasure that's useful or valuable is very very unlikely it's more unlikely you're going it's far more likely you're just going to land in a muddy or very deep hole or a, a really cold pool of water at the bottom which is all full of junk and crap and the remains of the mine um that's the metaphor that comes to me from my visionary mind as I'm talking and I'm going to go with that <laughs> that's the end of that story um meanwhile yeah the 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 work of folk who have chosen a specifically creative making expressive vision visual art path has been um well for myself personally it's been very interesting the whole of my career and life but the last few years have been particularly fascinating challenging um kicked in the teeth kicked in the stomach kicked up the arse kicked in the womb kicked in the breasts kind of a kind of a time um and i'm going to speak uh, in more at more length about that in a in a more serious way around like what is being done to artists specifically and people on low income specifically and people who are out on the edges specifically what the agenda is trying to do with that but what it really in terms of the the beauty of the human soul what it really does and um, what it galvanizes what it galvanizes in one and the ones that have chosen not to be locked into scarcity but are in fact being liberated by by their rejection by the the systems the support the the ears that were listening before and the eyes that were watching before um closing down the lack of community support the lack of community protection as as artists have been very specific artists obviously artists who dig deep and think widely and panoramically even um and talk openly about about what they what they know and what they feel what their what their sentience tells them and again I want to use this podcast in particular as a stepping into a slightly different slightly more open slightly more contained space I am changing platforms um how I present what my identity and name are um I am making clarifications with various so-called authorities and I'm doing air quotes with my fingers that I always find it really funny Italian people often don't know what that means when we do little air quotes they think we're doing rabbit ears or something and um, they don't relate it to putting things in inverted commas so I have to stress I'm, I'm accustomed to stressing the fact that I am now doing air quotes if I'm leaving a message and we recognize it in the English language often as the way a word is emphasized that we're kind of putting an emphasis an emphasis on it but I just want to just want to overemphasize that and put it in italics and put stars under it and around it and um maybe spray it with some silver uh holographic spray just to give it effect 
Um, yeah, things things are changing. Um, I've been gaining more and more confidence in actually saying who I am and what I am and, and what I'm not and clarifying that with various authorities, in inverted commas. And that is one hell of a um, life experience. It's, I, I would akin it to being reborn. I would I would akin it to rebirthing oneself and reinventing oneself, but um, not in a, an egoic or fashion or moving country and um, being a a big fish in a small pond kind of a way, but in the in the pure alchemical sense of actually, again, recreating what we should have been when we first came here and like basically starting again um, by, the, by the nature of kind of being hounded out of visibility and having support withdrawn and having even listeners and... Um, even passive watchers of my art, followers of my art, uh, withdraw their support and withdraw their attention and withdraw their interest or their responses or their um, their inquiries into my work. The, the movement feeling that even having been on the very edges of things, this is really, <laughs> this is like a whole level of edge, <clears throat> a whole level of edge of reality things and and with that um even though I always felt I was out on the edge of the art world in fact not really in the art world at all and I made a point about that I've always made a point about that <clears throat> but at the same time I've been referencing the art world so I've kind of been using what my art isn't to refer reference what it is but again that that was what it was like to be on the edge of things of the structures of society, of the systems, of the hierarchies, like just to be out on the edge of it, sort of floating about there. But what I, I feel has happened in the last years and through the development, the natural evolution of my work, the natural development and healing of coming back to self and coming back to my own true nature, which is the true nature of everyone, every one of us, and of us as a whole, which is divine co-creative consciousness. In coming back into that, I I feel that I'm not just I'm not out on the edge of something, but I am standing quite far away from what that whole hierarchy and structure are, and just observing it, just to, holding space for it in a way, and letting it be what it is. And I'm just getting on with what real life is and what life should be and what life can be and could be, and will be, and I'm standing in truth, in that, in nature, in what's right, and simply being an example of that. And that, to me, is what the fuck art is about. That is what comes to us through our art, through our discipline, through our daily practice. The truth comes to us. And we might wrestle a bit out on the edge of things for a while, but as we continue to make the inquiry, as we continue to do our research and development, as we continue to paint and plant seeds and strum a guitar and weave a basket and carry water and chop wood, as we continue to bring up cats and take care of our partner and have our partner take care of us, the, the artist 
becomes even a, a really superfluous label. It's not the truth of what we're actually doing as a co-creator. It's a, a manipulative term that says that we're contriving something, that we're forcing our attention and our creativity into something. And actually, the real life of art, the real art of life is something that's profoundly, softly, whole and integral. It doesn't need a label. I don't need a badge or a certificate or a, a document that proves who I am. And I certainly am not going to prove to a system that is designed to enslave spirit and suppress spirit. I'm certainly not going to spend any of my priceless, val pricelessly valuable hours and minutes and seconds and days and moments and my priceless, non-priceable, non-commercializable hands and arms and legs and beautiful pelvis and body and heart. And this is my art. This is what art is. Art is how I move. Art is how I breathe. Art is my healing, what I came here to heal. Art is my absolute unique perspective on the world that nobody else has ever had or will ever have through my living voice, through my throat, through my face, through the vibration up through my brain, from my sentience, from my visionary spiritual perspective, from my spiritual vision, from my sentient, my living sentience, not a dead sensation, a numb body, but from my fully alive, flowering mind-body-spirit, which is opening like a lotus at this beautiful point of my life where I've done the work and I've nourished the spirit and I haven't commodified it. It's just been allowed to grow in its natural shape. It hasn't been put into a box or a pot or a flower containing thing I don't know hasn't been cut and put in a special pot of crappy water it hasn't been uh, put in a bunch with other things and handed to somebody as a present I have grown fully into the blossoming of what I meant to be in the very unique context of what I am as a living breathing spiritful co-creative co-creator in this very specific, unique time and place, in this very, very specific building and context and in interrelationship with all these folk who are around me, folk who are connected with me online and plants and animals that are nearby me that I interact with, rocks and stones and mountains and rivers, elements and seasons that I communicate with in an intimate and lifeful and real and direct and conscious and sentient way. This is what the art of my life is and it's not something that it makes sense for me to carry around a, a card that says I'm an artist on it. That's, that's not what it is. And in the, in the process of the many years of my, the development of my art from being a young woman um, drawing and drawing and drawing in, an, in my wee sloped roof bedroom with the rain crashing down day and night um, 
long, long evenings, not watching TV, not playing whatever games were around at the time, not out headbanging at the disco or whatever, but just sitting and drawing and drawing and observing nature and drawing and perfecting my hand and focusing on art school. When I when I was in those first times, um, I obviously looked at what was in front of me and looked at what the options were and the, the options of going to art school and leaving the island and being out in the big world and meeting other artists and that was obviously seemed like a really the most amazing thing in the world that could ever be. Um, and the the disappointment of going up through the art hierarchy, the art institutions, the art world, the gallery system, working in different countries and exploring all the different ways of showing work and collaborating with other artists and working within that context of what people see as art being an artist, that that served a, a, as an education, certainly, and it, it was interesting and even fun in places to be on TV and be interviewed and have people take, like, edit it in a really bizarre way to just not get across at all what the message was. Um, it, but, but doing that for, like, year on year on year for multiple years... And then getting to a place of feeling very uncomfortable with it because it was never really working and it certainly wasn't paying me. Like I was being asked for the majority of the time I was being asked just to work and create the art and turn up with the art, like carry it there, present it, label it, um, do posters for it and so on. And there was never a, a place for me there. There was never a place that my work got taken into and took, taken under the wing of someone that would actually do the work for me, like the the work that the artist is not supposed to do. And that really certainly um, alerted me to something not being quite right. Like, how is this sustainable in the first place? Either I have to totally compromise in order to get into some sort of slot somewhere that I know I'm not going to be comfortable in, or I have to just get an art-related job, which I then I won't be able to do my art, or I have to live really really simply and find a way of subsisting that I can then make my art and just subsist like live in the simplest way possible and of course I chose option C and tried that out in various different countries and cultures and managed to get you know fairly well established as an artist in various different countries and sell work around the world and get a following online but of course I was still striving and pushing and my lifestyle was pretty hard and that that didn't feel right either you know it felt like I'm doing exactly what I want to do but it doesn't fit with like I'm not fitting into something you know I'm not there's not a context there my art even though it feels like it's meaningful to me and it is meaningful but it doesn't feel like there's something missing in the world like there's something missing between me and the world or the world and me but certainly there isn't a connection there with my work and um that is a theme that is, even though I've done very well in several different countries and I've sold a lot of art over the years and I've written books and I've made films and I've oh, had a, a long-standing podcast and I've tried all these different formats of my work and done a lot of pop-up events and especially since I moved to Italy, I've done a lot of um really interesting 
dynamic cultural exchange, exchange projects, including artist residencies, pop-up events, galleries, um, installations, and bringing artists together in um, festivals, like really unusual festivals, miniature festivals of art and music and dance and um, in Scotland and in Italy and um, lots of just really unusual events like Scottish nights and um, whiskey versus wine type events and, and all that kind of beautiful stuff. Um, but there's always been the sense that very few people are really getting what I'm sharing and there's never been any kind of growth. If anything, I've sort of done really well when I was younger and then got less and less well well known as I went as I went on. So that even after how how long will it be now? At least thirty five years of drawing and painting and selling work and uh, exhibiting and traveling and um, collaborating and working in communities and bringing my vision into into multiple contexts there has always been something really really not right behind it all that hasn't like something hasn't landed and the taproot hasn't been there and I really know now that that is through no fault on my part. It's not like I haven't worked hard enough. It's not like I haven't said the truth and been vulnerable and sweated and toiled and shared openly and made every effort to be available and so on. Um, I know it's not that I haven't done the work and haven't done my due, due diligence and I know now the last few years having unfolded how they've unfolded I absolutely know through and through my being that what was missing was how our perception of art has been made into this literal I feel I feel it's like a lens it's like everyone's got this set of glasses on literally almost everyone has got a set of glasses on especially about art and about their own creative power. And the glasses are are totally distracting them. It's probably what I paid them new ones into those ones that are like, I don't even know what they are. I've just like vaguely heard that there's like a set of technological glasses that you put on and they do stuff I can't even imagine. I don't want to know, really really don't want to know. Um the eyes and what's in front of our eyes is very important, and the eyes form a really important means of us seeing what's in the world I think the idea of something being in front of them and distracting us from what's actually in front of us is just yeah that's really what they want isn't it it's like really what everyone needs uh, anyway um, you can just imagine the mess that's going to come of everyone wearing them all at the same time and walking about and bumping into each other and falling into the road and the rest of it anyway the point being um there's certainly a, a failing in the vision and in the spiritual vision of humanity through our having 
for many generations had the world of art confused, confusing what our co-creative divine capacity really is, having TV and social media and the internet distracting us visually and distracting us very continuously. Um, the Wi-Fi and the EMFs in our houses interfering with our subtle energetic forces and getting in the way of us actually feeling each other, the world, the vibrations that are underneath the obvious things that we can physically touch and see. Um, and again, this is, this is why the actual act of pure creation or of making things from natural materials and or the spontaneous creative outpouring of voice, script, mark making. That's why these acts of pure creativity are, are so very important because they bring us back to the vibration that underlies what we're seeing in front of us, the, the vibrations that are behind things. The, the reawakening of that sentience is absolutely necessary for us to be able to do, even discern what's right and what's wrong, which very few people right now are able to do. Very, very few people. And even, even the term of artist and the label and the, the social structure, like the job name, the job title of artist, as it were, even that, it, it, it claims art to be the property of, or the artist rather, to be the property of everyone and that they have to give themselves and not receive in return. And again, I'm, I'm just going to not go too much into that subject here because it's a really deep and personal um, private subject for me about like how I've been treated as an artist over the years and what the presumptions are that are projected onto me. It's very complex psychology, which is essentially individuals using an artist in a, a, a perverse, turned around kind of a way that is denying their own creativity and trying to force another into a role that is partly their projection and partly their expectation of, of what this caricature of an artist should or can be. And again, the, the caricature is played out in film and book and story and biography through very specific folk being taken to the top of the tower or pulled up into the hierarchy and presented with prizes and um, accolades and so on. The, the real art, meanwhile, is, is essentially what's at the, at the core of everybody's life. It's what the, their core potential is, what their core creative potential is what their uniqueness is, their unique hand and mark and eye and ear, their unique sensory perception that is then translated, transcribed into colour, weave into even planting and cooking and sewing. 
the art of their life, the art of a life lived is such a, should, should be a work of art. The, the art in someone's life is, is their, their heart, their hearth the that which is most central to them and their home and their community and their their family and that is something that it could even be questioned whether there is a hearth in the house anymore whether there is a heart you know where is the heart is the heart out working in an office and straining itself every day and pushing itself to be a good citizen and fill in the forms and sign the signatures with the capital letters name to verify that that's our identity or is the the heart fully present in the home fully actually physically present in the home and is it free in time to make the home a work of art make the art the house a piece of art fill the house with art and handmade homemade things i remember when i was young um being in everyone else's house in the village, it was quite uh, a norm to to know everybody else's houses, sometimes all, uh, as intimately as our own houses because we all moved in and out of each other's houses and it wasn't such a strange thing to just half live in someone else's house because we were a community and the doors were open and it, it, was, it was natural that if my mum didn't have time to take care for us, that we would be over at another family's house where they had kids, even if they were just there for the holidays. We would go and like live for the holidays with them, um, especially if the kids were about our age or, you know, if there was if there was space for us to hang out together that wasn't getting under my mum's feet or interfering with the animals or the farm or whatever the thing was. Um. And I remember the, even the holiday cottages were, all the cottages were old. All the houses that were near our house were old. And maybe they're in the process of being renovated and having bathrooms added onto them that the old houses didn't have bathrooms particularly. Um, but in the, in the early 70s, in the mid 70s, late 70s, early 80s, there was enough of a, uh, I got enough of a saturated immersion in what the old houses originally were, the ones that didn't have much electricity. If they, they might have just had a tiny little water heater sitting over the sink in the kitchen, and but the rest of the house was like there was a coal fire back in the days where coal was more readily available and it wasn't an issue to have it spurting out your chimney. Um, there was wood on the mountains so we chopped wood we carried water there was water in the burn um, and the houses had a certain symbiosis everybody had a wee orto a little vegetable garden there were riches in the garden incredible riches there were chickens wandering about and sheep wandering about rabbits here and there um, and the cottages had a, a way a way of them that would be considered primitive but only to our central heating, codependent, modern eye, perhaps. And I don't want to go too much into criticising the modern lifestyle. It's wonderful to be warm when you live in a cold country. That's really important. At the same time, there's a lot that is lost when we don't have an open fire. 
there's a lot that is lost when we don't have simplicity so we can't really enjoy what were the comforts that we do have we're too comfortable in a way and I don't want to get into like slandering people for being too comfortable because of course I want to be comfortable I want to be warm in the winter I want to be cool in the summer I want to have access to water and even electricity that would be nice at the same time there's such a thing as too much and there's the the over comfort that we've become habituated with has come at the price of having to actually work for our resources and having to actually make things ourselves, which brings a whole other level of consciousness, skill and capacity to make and do, not not just to make and do the things physically, like I just learned how to weave a basket by doing it for the first time. Um, I've just picked up the guitar. I haven't learned how to do that yet because it's really hard and I can't even figure out how to tune it well um, and I need help with that. But the point being, you learn by doing and you learn by making and there's a lifetime of learning that comes into the hands if we're always making and learning and doing. If we're always purchasing and solving problems with money instead of making and doing, <clears throat> then there's a point at which we lose contact with nature. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we also lose contact with our own nature because we're losing contact with our own capacity to make and do, to light a fire even. And the thing that I really miss from the old houses is how, even though some of the new houses, the old houses that have been made new, I mean, have been filled with things that are handmade and and natural and beautiful, even so... um. You know, it's not not everybody has gone completely down the consumer lifestyle. But still, the old way had a had a beauty that was inherent to it that and an art that was inherent to it, and the literal hearth as well, the heart and the hearth of the house, which was the one who lived in the house sitting by the fire, recount, recounting stories and knitting and sewing and weaving by the light of the fire, reading, reading to each other, reading stories to children. And the fact that that has slowly sort of leached away, the fire has been replaced by a stove, which of course is much more practical. Of course it is, it's beautiful. Um, you can even cook on a stove, which is great. But the in many houses, the central heating is creating all these other sources of heat so the hearth has disappeared and kids go off and sit in their own bedrooms because it's warm in their bedroom whereas in the old days it wasn't warm in your bedroom you had to huddle around the fire by necessity just to keep warm and survive and be comfortable the tv has taken the place of the the hearth and the heart and the togetherness and the 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 visiting of one family with another going to their hearth and their heart of their house and having heartful conversation. And these things, I'm not just playing with words, you know, these words are absolutely connected and absolutely entwined in the sense of 
where art really is and what art really is, what it should be doing for us. Um, for the majority of people now, if you ask them what art is, they'll see it as something that's very far away from them, first of all, very far away and inaccessible either by distance or by cost, the, um, the, the physical distance to the gallery in the city or the cost of entry or the cost of buying art in their own house. The majority of people, I mean, I, I don't have art by other people in my house. Well, I've got like two, three pieces, but the majority of the house is the house is filled with my art because I made it because I can because it's valuable to me. Um, but as for most people, I wouldn't easily be able to invest in art. Mostly, I've done exchanges or art has been gifted to me by other artists, and I, that's another beautiful aspect of. Um, the value of our own work, being able to exchange it with the value of another's work. But yeah, the majority of people would, if they were just asked off the cuff, you know, what is art? They would consider some, it's something far away from them, um, conceptually, mentally, um, intellectually, it would be considered, art is considered something that only certain people can understand and only people who've studied certain very high echelon ideas or have been around certain people you know special art clubs and boys clubs and old boys networks and so on and rich people's clubs and the reality is that we're all creating art every day in how we express ourselves in how we interact with each other and interweave together how we create but for the most part, were effectively hobbled, like hobbled, actually, like chained, where the, the collective and the individual co-creative capacity, which is infinite, which is actually infinite, infinite, it's not finite, it goes on forever. We have access to infinite resources in terms of our co-creative capacity and the energy that we can harness even and the vision that we can harness and the panoramic view that we can gain of the world. But we are absolutely hobbled and for those of us who haven't liberated ourselves and haven't gone through the process of really exploring what creativity is and what it means and what it can do for us, who haven't done the healing and the unravelling and the reconstruction and the rebirthing, those of us who haven't questioned our, our identity as the world sees it or haven't gone into our ego as, as the world rewards it, um, that it's very hard for us to really comprehend what art is and where it is and how we access it and how it is invaluable, it is priceless, but not in the sense of one painting by one dead guy that's in a gallery somewhere behind bulletproof glass with a gold fancy frame around it. Not in that sense. Not in the sense that it's conceptually too clever for anyone to understand, meaning really that it, it's a load of shit and it's like just a really stupid concept put on a pedestal that doesn't have any relevance in the world. Art is something that everyone can relate to and everyone comprehends immediately something very strongly from.
in the same way that the hearth and the art and the heart of the house, when you sit down in it, nobody is a stranger in the heart, in the front of the hearth. In the days when we used to sit in front of the fire together, there was no estrangement. There was nobody sitting in a cold corner of the room. That would be insane. Why would somebody sit in the cold corner? We all sat around the, around the hearth and we all sat at equal distance from it because, you know, or if one of us was too small or cold, we would sit closer to it. And when we came out the bath and stood on the sheepskin rug with a wee towel around us dancing in front of the fire with nothing on, we would just be directly getting the heat from the fire into our bodies. And that's essentially, you know, we're getting the transmission from nature, the raw nature of fire in the house, the bringing of a piece of the sun down into the planet and putting it in a wee container in a hearth and sitting in front of it. That is really the metaphor of what art is. The great leveller where we all need to sit around the fire and we all need to just sit and we need to calm our minds. We don't have electric lights on. We just have the fire burning and we just sit there and then we share whatever naturally wants to come up, you know. The story, the what went on that day, what happened at school. Some storybook being read out loud. Some old stories being passed from old person to young person. And stories about the war, stories about the mountains, stories about old characters or fables about mystical beings and animals, plants and trees, stories about how we take care of animals and so on. And it would all just come up and we'd all be sitting there. we turn around every now and again to warm our backs and then warm our fronts. And we did the same thing outside too, you know, big, big bonfires, even cold, wet August nights, standing in front of a fire, heating the back, heating the front, turning around, trying to dry ourselves off as we got soaked by the rain and the, the fire burning nevertheless, probably with the aid of some petrol. But the, the old ways and the old use of fire, the old use of heart and hearth are directly relational to what art is. Art can only come from the fire that is in the centre of us, that's in the core of us, and it can only come up through the heart, down through the hands, truthfully. Anything that comes just from the head down the arms and conceptually is, by definition, it's like a diversion, it's diverted, and it's, it's not a good, it's not a good heartful, concentrated energy it's a distracted energy by its very nature and I know that at some point in the future we will all look back on this period of when art was turned into such a load of nonsense and all this gobbledygook was talked about it and all these silly concepts and um, waxing lyricals and abstractions were created around it and in the meantime artists starved and were ignored and were locked up for being mental or rebellious or censored for speaking the truth and talking about health and freedom and rights and the right thing and talking about what what the institutions were really up to. 
there's going to be a time very soon, if it, if not right now, when people will really understand and comprehend and fully live what art is for. And I would really love in this series to to speak to that, to plant some seeds, to share some insight. I would love as well to do an interview series that might come after this, but might grow through this and from this. And again, if you're listening to this and you're an artist or a co-creator or a creative person, a creative living woman or living man of any type, please do reach out if you feel like we could weave a beautiful conversation together. I would absolutely be honoured to weave with you and to work with you and share and converse and unravel and um, bring the riches forth bring the heat of the hearth forth so yeah I'm going to sign off here and I again ask and encourage you to share this work that I'm creating I always work from my deepest core I work from the merit gained of having done this work on myself in myself having created a life full of art and an artful life and having gained a certain mastery of art, art of life. And I share it freely. And at the same time, I also am very open to receiving reward for it. And I, I'm going to speak more about that in, in a specific podcast about really, you know, why art should be freely given and should be gifted to the world. And it is a gift to the world, but it shouldn't be received and taken as free. And that's a really important distinction. It's like everything. It's like there should be a reward. Um, There should be a response or a reciprocal gifting. And in a world where we were, if there was a world in which we weren't, everything wasn't commodified and in which everything wasn't being stolen each from the other, um the gifts would move around freely and art like my own and my words and my podcasts would be gifted freely. We're certainly moving towards that in places like the Hive. I really encourage folk to join the Hive and share their work there because it is a a beautiful thing to, instead of being distracted and having our identity and work stolen from us through conventional social medias and platforms and mainstream the alternatives are are much more symbiotic to actually give something back. So when someone clicks on like, they're not just liking it conceptually with this something that doesn't actually have much value, but they're actually giving like a micro credit as well, which eventually can be filtered down into actual coin in your hand that you go and buy your groceries with. So yeah, I really always encourage creative folk to get onto these platforms because it's much more um, rewarding, uh, even emotionally, energetically, much more rewarding than this seemingly steep, always steeper hill of trying to be visible on um, mainstream social media and finding it's harder and harder work just to get one or two likes. Um, Whereas if you get onto these alternative platforms, certainly the one I work on mainly which is the hive you may find that in a with relatively little effort just methodical posting 
of interesting content or nice photographs, you will actually end up with hundreds and hundreds of likes and an actual income, which is a really difficult, a really different thing um, from having one's creativity leached out and stolen into invisibility and, yeah, driven potty by the distractions of too much information being thrown at you and um, not being able to wade through it just to get to what's true and beautiful. So I, I'm really inspired and enthused having just reached a really deep trough and coming out the other side of it in arguments with utility companies and unethical, unmoral and criminal activities of, of utility companies and um, just feeling pretty down about um, like having to take my car off the road because I don't have money for the insurance this year. So it's not, not such a big issue and it's kind of beautiful walking about the town rather than driving about. But it does make getting a gas bottle difficult and stuff like that and and it does piss me off that the world has to cost so much just to stand still just to own a car and I'm I do challenge that I don't really believe that it that it does and I actually know enough about paperwork to challenge that so I might well be um exiting all of that nonsense very soon too but in the meantime um yeah I really look forward to to sharing this um, deep dive into the actual usefulness of art, the actual purpose, the actual meaning, the actual power and healing power that is so hidden behind what is presented as art in inverted commas um, and who the real artists are who are nevertheless, even though the world out there is so distorted, who nevertheless are making real art and are continuing to make meaningful activity connections with community and so on. I hope to be sharing some work of others too that as I go through this unravelling um it'll be pulling some of them out the woodwork and out of the out of the the shadows where most of us real art folk live nowadays. Um yeah again please do share, please do support my work. I'm I'm asking you openly here because I do have very little fiat currency to subsist on and I, I really would be able to subsist so much better get my electrics in my house repaired get the smart meter removed etc if I had some more money and um, yeah that would be a great reciprocal gift that would make it worth my sharing in the world all blessings all good things all moorings all merit gained all love to you May your day be absolutely shining with creative expansion and good things. And speak soon. Many, many good things to you. Ciao.